How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Eucalypt Speed Test Intelligence Data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. David Hall. That was one of the best questions you've ever asked. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to get an answer just as good. Chicago Sports Talk for your morning on 670 The Score. Dusumu, left front court. They go right corner Williams. Williams, hard left hand roll drive to the rack. And the right-handed dunk. Oh, my goodness. Time to go home. Patrick Williams. Oh, oh my goodness. 10.8 left regulation. Clippers 106-103 over the Bulls. This crowd on their feet. 20,068. Caruso holding and looking. Still holding. Still looking. Nearly a five-second count to get to Levine. Got stripped. Recovered by the Clippers. Over the midcourt line. Leonard gives it up to George and a foul. Caruso holding and looking. And they go to DeRozan. Turn around. Left elbow. Three off the mark. Rebound. Leonard. This ball game is over. So the Bulls open up the first of four straight. Here at home, losing to the Clippers, who have now won six out of their last seven. And the Bulls lose 108-103. Start your mornings with Mully and Hawk, 5.30 till 10 a.m. You have got to be kidding me. On 670, the score. I'm speechless. Let's go. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670, the score. Oh, the Bulls, the Bulls, the Bulls, the Bulls, the Bulls. Uh, morning, Mully. Another Wednesday, another speechless night for Chuck Swirsky and Bulls fans. That was hard to watch, but it wasn't hard to believe. No, no. I mean, I knew they were – I knew it was bad. uh, It's getting worse. When you found out the pregame that Kawhi Leonard was fine and he was going to play and and, uh, Paul George was going to play. I mean, you know, normally those guys don't play when they are supposed to. So the idea that both of them were available for the Bulls, rut roll. Well, they didn't really play in the first half, and they let the Bulls kind of believe that they were going uh, to be kind of lackadaisical and take this casual approach. It's just the Bulls, and you're in the Chicago. At least you got a nice trip into the city. And then the Clippers woke up, and a 19-point lead evaporated quickly. Do you know that that was the end of January? Today is the first day of February. Yes, happy February. Happy February. And four times in the month of January, the Bulls blew leads of 16 or more points. Last night, the last example of the month. A bad month. Yeah, that's a bad month. It's a bad month. Yeah, it's bad. It's a lot of team. It's a very bad team, um, and they're not not good. Let's put it that way. Well, they can't execute down the stretch. That's a big thing. They can't get a stop when they need it. That's another big thing. And they can't seem to find out what exactly went wrong when things do. And they inevitably do go wrong. So post game, it was 
one of these CSI Chicago again, trying to get clues to what exactly happened during the ill-fated out-of-bounds play. The Bulls can't seem to get the ball inbounds. And even if they had yeah, gotten the ball inbounds, no. they're down three. They got to hit the three. They got to tie the yeah. game. They got to win down the stretch. I, I, I don't think that. Yeah, you can't even get the ball inbounds, let alone take the three. It's a big leap. No. So it was a hard game to to, to endure. And we all did it watching. It's just so familiar and it's so frustrating. You can't imagine how Billy Donovan must feel and how those players just, they can't seem to get out of their own way. Yeah. um, Yeah. Look, I wish there were happier news. The Bulls have kind of lost me already, to be brutally honest with you. I don't see any reason to believe that this isn't going to be the same sort of game, you know, when that starts happening in a game, I, I don't, I don't start saying, what are you doing? How could this happen? I start saying, okay, I'm going to go to bed early. because <laughs> This is a waste of my time. It, it is unfortunately uh, the, the reality of the bulls that they're not there. There's no help coming. Okay. They're not going to get better. And meanwhile, here they are and they're not good enough. And, and you know, Will Purdue said something that really uh, resonated with me, that it's right there on the front of the scouting report. You know, you get a scouting report. I'm telling you, the first paragraph would be, hey, stay with these guys. They will let you back in the game. If they go ahead, don't worry about it. They will find a way to let you back it's in the game. The first thing I thought about when they went up 19, yeah. and you're tempted to chalk this up mentally as a victory and start to think about, okay, you look at the schedule, they beat the Clippers, and then what's next? And how will that affect the trade deadline as we start to talk about or think about what we're going to discuss today? And then the part of me caught myself watching it like, you know, that's not going to be something you can assume. You you can't assume anything with this Bulls team except that they're going to have this lull in the second half of a game, whether they lead it or not, and they're not going to be able to overcome it. And last night – was just the latest example. No lead is safe with this team. It's just crazy. I mean, you know, they go up and you're like, oh, just get 10 more. Oh, get 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 another seven. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. So I think what happens then is if fans and media members and everybody watching knows what's going to happen, there's this feeling of redundancy. And so you have to believe that the professionals paid to – to you know, put a winner on the floor and to get this team over the over the hump and, and further in the playoffs, they've got to be seeing the same thing. So we are on February 1st. It is a week from tomorrow. The trade deadline can change things, and I don't think the Bulls can embrace the status quo any longer. I don't think you needed necessarily last night to come to that conclusion, but it certainly reinforced that urgency that has to exist at the trade deadline. I think that should be a headline that um, Haw calls for redundancies. <laughs> I think someone need be made redundant. Well, I think we could take a list of guys. <laughs> I like that. Well done, David. You know, you, I would you, start. You kind of snuck that one in. Yeah, maybe a little bit. I think that I would start with the players more than the coaches, yes. even though Billy Donovan does deserve his whatever responsibility you want to place at the feet of Billy Donovan. I think it's appropriate. But this is, a, this is a team that no longer has that chemistry that we enjoyed watching last year come together. Yeah, I, but, I mean, that chemistry was early on, and that chemistry was gone by the 
middle of the season, and it's been about a year. It's been a slog now. It's been a slog. It's been a full calendar year of uh, really kind of the same the same type of basketball. Th- this this is a flawed team. You just wait until the flaws show, and you'll the you'll Bulls' brand them. is that you can catch them. Yeah. That you will find a way to make them beat themselves. Last night it happened again. Look, DeMar DeRozan is terrific, and nobody's going to sit here and tell you that he hasn't been a great asset to the Bulls since he joined them at the beginning of last season. But last night, I understand that he did look like he was fouled down the stretch in the big uh, that shot that he complained about after the game. But let me tell you, if you turn the ball over eight times, I think you lose the right to complain about getting fouled. It, it just yeah, you have to take care of the basketball better than they took care of the basketball. They were careless again, and in the inbounds play that we're talking about, Zach and Demar went to the same spot. Yes, yeah, and and uh, Patrick from Gage Park. This is funny. Mully, you can't get the ball inbounds, let alone put up a three. Max Levine takes a two. Remember, he took a two. Yeah. <laughs> that and did th- happen. That, That's pretty funny. That was in the month of January that as well. The, that was another – that might have been the low point in the month of January. 2023 not going so well for this Bulls group. <laughs> Thank God he missed it. I'll say it again. <laughs> From the time it happened. Yeah, look, that's good, Patrick. I, I'm not arguing with you. Uh, flawed team, flawed results. You, you know, these are games, you know, it's funny because we're, we get to a point where we say, God, you know, they really need to win now. They got to get back to 500. Do you realize where they are? Uh, you know, they really blew a lot of opportunities, and they could they could have, would have, should have been a lot better. They got to win this game. And then you come out of it and you're like, wow, they really needed to win that game. Yeah, that's, that's because the they were. It's the that's same the feeling. feeling. Well, it's the same feeling. Again, not to, we're at the beginning of a month. So you look back and at the beginning of January, you'll remember that I tried to look at this and take a step back. And you're always trying to reassess. And, like, yeah. well, you know, the, the Celtics a year ago at this time, right? They had the same record as the Bulls did at the beginning of January and they oh, took boy. off. Yeah. They took off. This but isn't they, happening. This isn't happening with this group the way it is constituted, and I don't think it's it's realistic to expect the moves that are made at the trade deadline. It is the NBA. Crazy things can happen. But I just don't think that you're going to be able to shake up this roster to the extent that you can get different results from the same core of guys, and it's going to be difficult to not have the same core of guys after the trade deadline. It, it's rough, It's man. rough. It's very rough. It's it, just a very difficult team to – to watch, to kind of put up with, there, there's, you don't have this feeling. Oh, they're, you know, this is the night. They're on tonight. You have this feeling like, yeah, oh, this is well, not going to end well. They, they tease you into thinking though this is the night because yeah. you have big highlights like the Patrick Williams dunk, and you have highlights like, you know, at one point in time they had a good stretch of defense, intense defensive intensity where Caruso was doing things, Io was finishing, and these were the Bulls that you wanted to see and, and, and see on occasion. And then they get into the third and fourth quarters, and yep. then the lead starts to slowly get chipped away by the Clippers. And then the Clippers with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, they they did what they do when they play together well. And that's, you know, they Kawhi, he was involved defensively on that what, inbounds what play. Did he, what did he finish with? 28. Did he have 28? He might have had 30. Did he have 30? 
Well, he, he was the guy they went to down the stretch, and that's what he does. So it uh, yeah. tough game to watch game. and move forward. So it was uh, it, you, you feel for thirty three points for okay, thirty three. Wow. Yeah, I thought he hit forty. That's pretty good. I mean, they played. You'd have to feel pretty good if you were the Clippers. I think the problem is you got to worry about when those guys are available and when they're not. They're a really good team when they get guys on the floor, and then they often they're the fourth aren't on the team floor. in the in the East right now, the fourth seed and or in the, in in the, the West, West. Excuse yeah. me, yeah. and they have aspirations in that uh, conference to go a long way in the playoffs with those two guys if they stay healthy. They have every reason to believe that, but it, the big question is if they can stay healthy. I heard Dustin on the pregame show say that he couldn't believe that Kobe White hit his 500th career three-pointer in that game. It's pretty funny because I think that when we when we think about uh, Kobe White, we think more about the flaws in his game than the strength of his game. And he is a he is a good scorer. He is a good shooter. He can hit a three, which is you know almost a remarkable trait on a team like the Bulls, where Few can. So um, it was kind of interesting that he did hit his 500. He did, 503 pointer. That's great for Kobe White, the seventh overall pick in the draft. He's got some value. Trade him. Nice. I mean, nice. Nice reaction. I I don't know. Get him a headline, get rid of him. Well, I I look at now the Bulls less as commodities and how they fit together, or less as players and how they fit together and and build, build chemistry to make a run. In this season, as much as uh, you look at them as commodities and what can you get to, for them because you need to change the composition of this roster because you have seen too many examples of it not working the way it's supposed to work, last night being the latest one. So Kobe White, at one point in time, you'd say, well, what do you've got? He's the guy that spaces the floor. He's the only uh, perimeter threat that you have coming off the bench. Yep. Now it's like, what can you get for him? How would that change your dynamic? Because we'll get to it at the pick six, but you know, the, the, you can eliminate Lonzo Ball from the equation. Mm-hmm. This is not happening. Doesn't, doesn't appear so. Realistically, this is just not going to be I, something I you can count you. on. I, I mean, ever. And it's been that way for a while. No, but I'm saying I'm not sure. You start you to can, wonder that. Well, I mean he's still feeling pain and it's, it's inexplicable. I just wonder, does he have a career left? Well, when you're a man of his age, he's a young man. And so you don't want to have that kind of finality attached to any kind of diagnosis, but it is a fair question to ask. And it's got to be the fear near the front of his mind than the back based on what the last year has brought, which is no progress. None. Nothing at all. Which is scary. If, can you imagine being somebody as supremely talented as Lonzo Ball. And having the future seemingly at his feet and everything that looks great ahead of him when he came to Chicago and had the good start to the year. And now, a year later, to have the kind of uncertainty you just described. You don't know what your career is going to hold. You don't know if your career is going to continue. Feel bad for him. Yeah, I do too. But, but I mean, it's also, it's, you are... You want to talk about locking a team into like a no-win situation? Oh, it, it definitely. I mean, I'm just saying it's. I'm not blaming him. I know, but I'm saying that they're stuck. They're stuck. There's no doubt about that. No question. They're stuck because of the financial commitment to him. Four years, two eighty million dollars. Yeah. And they got thirty-five games out of him. Now, what do you do move, moving forward? 
They have been waiting for him, and as they have waited, they have you know, stagnated. And the big three is not a, a trio that you really feel very good about right now. The Vooch trade doesn't look good in retrospect. There are a lot of problems with this team, the way it goes together. And that's AK's problem at the deadline. One day, one day, the rumor is we're actually going to hear from him. Well, you know, he's been nice to us. He's come on the show. I like him. Times. I respect him. He has come on, on the show. I'm not bad-mouthing him. I, I would like, like to, to hear from him, though. I would just like to say love us to him, <laughs> which is hello in Lithuania. I went to uh, <laughs> high school with a lot of Lithuanian guys. And you are. I've spent some time. You are worldly or otherworldly. What are the they, two? I think they all moved. I, I think you know there were there were. <laughs> everyone was at Marquette Park. Uh, it was big Lithuanian. Actually played on the Lits. But um, hold on, you mean the people you went to high school with moved? Yeah, everyone. <laughs> everyone. I'm not joking. That never happens. Like no, but I mean like the entire the entire like the whole neighborhood kind of moved. <laughs> yeah, I'm not kidding. And it's it's. Uh, it's wild to to uh, to think about that. Do you ever go back and just kind of look at where you used to go and and where you grew up and marvel at how it's changed? Do you try to avoid that, or do you like everybody likes to sometimes every now and then some people more than others take a trip down memory lane? Nostalgia is a thing. Yeah. And do you do you embrace that or not? No, I've I've never I've never been one to really enjoy going back to places that have been it's just weird yeah I, I, i'm not nostalgic everybody's like that. different yeah. i just i try to move ahead mm-hmm. i don't like i don't think i've ever been to like a grammar school reunion or a high school reunion or a college reunion or any reunion i, I it's just weird i would love to go but i i uh you should go you should go to the I next just one i've had i've had things come up yeah that, that i mean you know I I missed I missed one one time because my dad was like dying. He was in the hospital and I just couldn't go. And uh I got a couple nasty notes from people that were mad that I didn't go. That you missed it. They thought I was like big So if you have that negative association with it, I think that is yeah. probably not good and I wouldn't necessarily I understand that. I mean if you associate some of those negative feelings with any kind of reunion or trip backward or back in time i love that stuff yeah that's crazy i I, I do i love that stuff i love seeing people that i grew up with if i can as much as i can and i you know my mom still lives in the same small town i think it's everybody's different yeah and um but i do enjoy that it's not that i don't you know the problem is like i i have tended somehow to compartmentalize my life so i have had different stages in my life that I've moved on from, and I very rarely feel the need to kind of return to it. Once the door is closed, it's closed. Well, I don't have a lot of unresolved feelings about anything. Right. I just, I don't, I just don't roll that way. I, I don't know why. I, I don't know why because when I have run into people that I haven't seen in a long time, I've always had a good time, and I, I've always had like flashes of memory, etc. But for whatever reason, I have tended to compartmentalize and move on. And I, I don't – it's just not in my – maybe, you know, like losing people. I don't know. But whatever it is, like I don't really – I don't have kind of feelings that I have to work through. I just move beyond it. 
I'm not trying to tap into those. No, but I'm, I'm being like honest you, with you. It's not like you have a birthday coming up or anything. No, no I'm just trying nothing, to, like that. No, nothing I, like that. I'm just saying I, I just don't do that. And you're probably right. It'd probably be good for me to do stuff like that. It's, but it's not like an active decision. Oh, I'm not doing that. No. I just, it's just like it's just not anything that I you see something thought, and I'm like, oh, that looks fun. Right. Maybe I'll go to that. And then for whatever reason, you know, I, I just. Other not to belabor occur. this, but I think yeah. that for years we both had those kind of jobs. I think other, people That's do have the these problem. kind of jobs where you just have to keep moving on. Because you meet one deadline, you can't yes. really savor much of that no. because you've got another one and the clock's ticking louder yeah. than ever the next That's right. day. That's what it is. So you start to condition your mind into just looking ahead. I, I agree with and you. And you don't do a lot of looking back. And when you get a chance to do that, maybe it's comfortable, maybe it isn't, but you're you're trained almost mentally to just always worry about or think about the next day. Plus, I'm like a guilt-ridden Catholic, so I'm not only... <laughs> now we're getting somewhere. Not, but it's, the truth is that I'm not... Like, I did go to, like, a seminary yeah, high school. Right. When I look back, I always regret my behavior for whatever reason. Even if I wasn't necessarily out of line, right. I just... Boy, I could have done that better. Or I should have done that better. So it's better for me to just keep moving forward. I get it. But you're right. It, it, you, you do when you, when you learn to compartmentalize seasons, you kind of do that in other ways. So yeah, I know. So it's, it, You're right. It's, I'm, I've been trained to basically. In the fall, I'm nostalgic for Friday Night Lights. In the winter, yes. I think Hoosiers. You know, in the spring, right. well, I'll let you know. Yeah. <laughs> you're really locked into that. I like it. You're, uh, in the spring, it's all about country music because yeah. that'll take you back. You are the better man. No, I will. I'm not, I will say I'm not it. Saying that. No, you're a wonderful I, person. I, I, I mean I, that in the best way. I, I think that everyone's approach to nostalgia is different and should be respected because everybody's approach will be their own, and you know that's fine. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I probably, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and Molly would take his life in his hands going back to the old neighborhood. There's that too. <laughs> There is that. I remember when my brother was turned to 50, I went back and I just took some video of various spots that his wife was putting together. And like some guys came up, they, they were like yelling at me. And I'm like, okay, I got to get out of here. At first I was like, hey, this is my neighborhood. And then I got a good look at him and I'm like, <laughs> no. I'm, I'm, I'm going to flee. Can I ask one more question before yeah. we blow this segment all without that's, any that's sports? very funny. So I'm leaving this morning and it's, you know, it's in the four o'clock hour. Mm-hmm. Do you ever have a memory? Should I be concerned? There was an Amazon delivery guy at my driveway. At four in the morning? Yes. No way. No no lie. And I had to stop there before I got, I was, I was looking out the window thinking, wait a second. Why is this car parked in my driveway with the lights on? He's looking at a package. It was a delivery truck, a van. And they drop something off at the front porch. Is that common? Is that typical? Should I be concerned? I, I mean, I have never had that experience. I would say I have every single morning had the experience of opening the garage door and half expecting a hitman to be standing there. <laughs> yes. Like, I, I think for a second, <laughs> am I going to get out of here? And believe me, there's no chance anyone's coming after me, but that does cross my mind. It, it seems like a perfect crime if anyone's interested. It seems like the perfect time yes. for something like yes. that. So when I look out the window and I see a car in my driveway, yeah, that's, I'm immediately concerned. It's clearly the government. <laughs> grabbing for my phone and thinking, what's going on here? That he's, is really odd. He's coming to the door. I've never, oh my gosh. I've never gotten a delivery that early. I, I, I mean, was it? You know, did you finally get the kidney? I mean, it's like, what the hell are you I delivering at five in the morning? I thought yeah. the same thing. I waited four for him to morning. go. Yeah. 
and I opened up the door. I got the package. My wife ordered some binoculars. <laughs> That's so I'm, ridiculous. It was so ridiculous. That's pretty cool. What does she need binoculars I have no for? idea. Are, have, you, are you going to cover a big game at the end I of the year? I literally have no idea. I was as surprised as, as, uh, as, as you could imagine. I used to have a really good pair of small binoculars. I think someone walked off with them or I left them, whatever. And now I've got a pair of like pretty decent, like kind of hunting binoculars, but they're big. They're not, you know, so I have to kind of wear them around my neck when I go to a game. They're not like opera glasses. Or no, a, no, I like those small ones. You can put them in your exactly. bag. Yeah. Wow. That's wild. It's been a wild morning so far. Yeah, that yeah. no seriously, that I I would throw me a little bit. I've been thrown. I'm, yeah, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad you came in anyway. <laughs> that, that that would be one of those like how I, what's going on here? Yeah, that I would that would uh, stop me. I would get uh, extremely paranoid about that. But that's me. All right, we've got the pick six. We're gonna pick apart all the stories of the day, and uh, it's uh, it's gonna be fun because there's a lot to talk about. It's Molly and Hong's score. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast it's pick six with molly and haw where we debate the top six sports stories of the day and then open it up to you, the Chicago sports fan. Call us at 312-644-6767 or you can tweet your thoughts at Mully Haw. Pick six with Mully and Haw starts now. 
Where are you with the Bulls after that effort against the Clippers, the fourth seed in the West, or are you reserving judgment till next week's trade deadline? Well, I, I wouldn't say I'm in a good spot with the Bulls. I, I really, I'm, I'm really tired, Dustin, of the uh, the must win in the statement game. <laughs> I, I, I don't think I don't think they make statement games, and I, and I think that they don't understand the whole must win thing. So I, it, it is very upsetting to feel like uh, this is it. You, hey, do you realize you, you're falling? Oh, you got a chance to get to the eighth seed. You just got to – oh, never mind. Um, I, I wouldn't say I'm reserving my judgment till the trade deadline, but I am anxiously awaiting the trade deadline. I think they need to do whatever they have to do. I think they're at a point now where nice try, good effort, move on. I think there are guys they need to move on from and I think that uh, age is no longer nothing but a number. I think there are guys that are kind of aging out, and I would be concerned about that. And um, yeah, I, I would be I would be very worried for the future of this franchise. I think they uh, they made some good moves. They tried some things, and they clearly haven't worked. And I think they might need to do drastic things. I'd be very curious about the trade deadline. Yeah, very curious, I think, is the way to look at this. Um, the glass is definitely half empty. It's definitely not half full. I don't care if they win the next three against teams that they mm-hmm. should beat, although I will say that the Thursday game, just getting ahead of it, is a must-win statement game on Thursday against the Hornets after that debacle a, a week ago down in, uh, in, down in Charlotte. Um, I'm, I'm done with that. The problem is, though, with those <laughs> must-win statements, then yeah. what, does it, what does it state? And what is well, the, I think if they, what, what if they I think if they don't win? show up I think if they don't show up Thursday I think that they're done too. So like if we're we're I understand why we're probably all done, but if they don't show up on Thursday I think they're done and I think that just signals that you've got to get rid of it. The goal was the playoffs, right? The goal was not the play-in game. And now it looks like the play-in game might be a gift. Even if they get there, this team's not going anywhere. Age Father time is finally catching up with with some of this stuff. And, you know, they got all the breaks in the first half of 2022, you know, with DeRozan. Forget about the standings. Forget about the seedings. Forget about the playoffs. When you watch this team on tape, when you watch this team in person, you can see that things don't fit together the way they used to. So you've got to look at this more objectively than just staring at the standings and saying, well, if you beat the Hornets, then you're here. And it negates what happened last night. New, the statement games too often end with a question mark. And that's what happens with this Bulls team. And you look at what's ahead a week from tomorrow is the trade deadline and a reckoning awaits. It's got to. You have invested too much in this group and they have been underachievers. This does feel very White Soxy. I know we're mixing our sports, but... I, I think this is a very frustrating phase for the Bulls that they're, they have almost have no other choice except for to try to change for the sake of change. Four losses in the month of January that came after you led by 16 or more points. You definitely have a, a problem there in terms of complacency, in terms of teams, uh, a team that doesn't understand how to uh, – put their foot on the throat of an opponent that kind of thing so yes I was disappointed in the effort but as I said earlier hard to watch but not hard to believe 
Yeah, I think it's a good question. What do you think of Joe Colley telling Dan and Lawrence yesterday that the Bulls and their medical staff and Lonzo Ball and his camp still don't know why Ball is still feeling pain in the knee? How about Ball having sought medical opinions not once, not twice, but six times? That's a stunning number of opinions, and you can just imagine the level of frustration, the level of disappointment. Uh, this is a this is a proud professional athlete who has been used to nothing but success. He's a 25-year-old man. He's a young man experiencing this for, yeah, he's been injured before, but not like this. He's been out for a year now. You wonder if he is ever going to play again this season. Doubt it. And as you pointed out in the first segment, Mull, you wonder if he's ever going to play again. And that is the real difficult part to comprehend. You felt for him. I felt for him watching him stand up during timeouts and being there in his very you know cool designer sweatsuit last night. He looked like uh, 20 million bucks, but he has to feel like he's disconnected. And that's the hardest thing to relate to. So six different medical opinions all uh, have answers that escape them. I don't know where this is headed, but I think that we can stop talking about what happens to the Bulls when Lonzo Ball comes back because I don't think he's coming back. Is it bad for me to feel like the Bulls are almost calling him injury prone here or like soft even? It just feels like that like they don't like they've done everything they can do. They've run all the tests, they've put him through the rehab and then he says to them, "Thank you very much, but I still feel pain." So I keep going to somebody I, I just is is it is it am I being unfair with, with that assessment or is that just me being me? If you're referring know. to him as soft, I think that's a bit unfair. No, I, I feel like the bull, the when it when it read the bulls don't know why he's still feeling pain in the knee. It just reads, it you know, it reads weird. It, it's like a statement like we've done everything we can, and the player is still in pain, and we don't get why he's in pain. I, it, it feels like they're questioning him. That's how I interpret it. It's interesting. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they're very frustrated by this. Um, it is a it is a very frustrating uh, situation to go through and to kind of witness as it uh, unfolds. I think that when we um, when we start talking about Lonzo Ball, um, there is very little chance that that he is going to come back. And it was really interesting to hear Joe Colley talking to. Uh, to uh, Dan and Lawrence yesterday, I thought, you know, he made some great points. The idea that they're they're hunting, you know, he's looking for somebody, one doctor, two, three, four, five, six, that can set a timetable for him. They're, they don't even have a timetable as to when he could possibly I, return. I, 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 they're going to shut him down yeah. come the All-Star game. They're going to announce that some one of these days here very shortly – that he's done for the year and he's not coming back. But this is a guy that we thought would be back for last year's playoffs, and he's going to miss a year and a half. And a guy who misses a year and a half in the middle of his career for an unforeseen reason, I don't know when that guy gets back. I don't know when he doesn't feel pain. I don't know if, if pain isn't going to be a normal process of his life. He's 26, I believe, something like that. He's 25 years old. 25. Yeah. Okay. And and this is these are the greatest. These this is the time period where all your athletic ability is still there, and your understanding of the game has blossomed. 
So this is you at your best before the body starts breaking down and the mind takes over completely. And that, it's, a, it's an amazing period of time for a professional athlete, and he's unable to enjoy it. And most diagnoses begin with when you stop experiencing the pain exactly. in the injury. And if he still is experiencing that pain, therein lies the mystery. You can't really project when that symptom still lingers. That, that's the biggest part of this that is hard. And I don't know, Dustin. I, I would hope that the Bulls aren't implying that he is soft. But maybe they're just waiting for that, you know, baseline. Like, okay, now when you stop feeling, when when you stop feeling pain, then we'll start to look ahead. They can't do that for whatever reason. Disastrous. I love the question. Luke Getze conducted practice at the Senior Bowl on Tuesday as a head coach. What do you think will happen first? The Bears will make the playoffs, or Getze will become an NFL head coach himself? Can one happen without the other? No, I don't think one happens without the other. I think the Bulls have to get uh, Bulls. I think the Bears have to get significantly better, and the quarterback has to make a breakthrough. I think if if Justin Fields makes a breakthrough, and people feel like uh, wow, they really don't have the talent on defense or the talent around him, whatever. But if he if he breaks through, that's how that happens. That's that's how you get a head coaching job if you're Luke Getze. You know, it was interesting. I was reading all I could about the Senior Bowl. I don't know why, and I won't apologize. I just love the Senior <laughs> Bowl because all, I know all the NFL people are down there. And somebody wrote that uh, that Luke Getze's practice was considerably slower than the other practice. Apparently the other practice was first, and everybody was out there watching, and then Getze came out, and I don't know if he's doing more teaching or whatever, but he had a different tempo to his practice than whoever ran the first practice. I don't know what that means. I don't know if, if that means NFL decision makers like a higher tempo interpreted. practice. I don't. I, 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 if I'm interpreting it, I think maybe he's trying to do more teaching. And I, I, I think that might be an interesting uh, thing for Approach. people to learn yeah. watching him. But I think there is scrutiny to him as a head coach just because guys are there. And if, if there's something different, they're going to be looking, what is he doing? They just, they're used to the same type of thing. So I, I don't know that the decision-makers in the league, there's a lot of general managers, assistant general managers. There's a lot of people that are out there on the sidelines. I saw a photo of uh, of um, uh, Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus with Bill Polian between the two of them. And Thanks, we, Bill. we know Ian Cunningham <laughs> is there, too. Thanks for introducing us. Uh, but it's, it's very... Where's Trace? Yeah, where's Trace? It, it's very interesting to just see... The way you know people are responding, and I, I'm really looking forward to calling a few people that I know after uh, the the, uh, the senior bowl to find out what you think what, of Getsy. Yeah, what yeah. you think of his? Yeah, I, I'm with so you. So I like that kind of stuff. I think the Bears have to make the playoffs before he gets the head coaching job. That that it, 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 that wouldn't make any sense to me if it was before the other. Now again, if he gets a head coaching job, that means that he's done well by the Bears. And he's done well by Justin Fields. I wonder if it gets to the point, though, and we've had these conversations in other markets, will it get to the point that we are having the conversation that they need to let Matt Eberflus go so that Getsy doesn't get away from Justin Fields? No way. Don't go there. That they just get think, Matt Eberflus? Don't saying, go there. Get see, rid of Flusie to keep Getsy in see, town. I think it's more likely, uh, Dustin, that you have to fire Luke Getsy as a scapegoat because that's happening all over the end. It's happening all over. 
that is more likely than trying to fire well, the head coach to head make coach room for Luke Getze. <laughs> okay, and so they haven't made the playoffs, so that right. means but, that but Justin I mean, Fields is a disaster. Dirk Cutter, I remember let's not that, have that scenario. How many times has that happened, and how successful has that been? I don't think that's a good process. To elevate your offensive coordinator at the expense of your head coach, that's that's not a good process. I'm That's just not I'm not practice. saying it's a good process. I said, will we have I, that conversation? I nicknamed him the great Getsy, and I'm not going that far. That's lunacy. That is lunacy. He's come on. Seems like I say something and that word gets tossed around. <laughs> well, I you you'd like to trigger me on a Wednesday morning. All right. Luke Getsy. Bad blood. <laughs> Molly, great great point. He's auditioning too. You know, they're down there with the staff and they're evaluating every prospect and Max Duggan and this and all these other guys are there and they maybe can find the next Braxton Jones, but they're also executives evaluating coaches, whether it's an assistant on the the Getze staff this week from the Bears or it's Getze himself, the tempo of practices, the way that he talks to quarterbacks, the way that he handles himself publicly, all these things matter. So... I don't think you fire Matt Eberflus to make room for Luke Getze, but I don't think the Bears have to make the playoffs for Luke Getze to get a head coaching job either, if that makes any sense. It does make sense. Stop sh- shaking your head. Well, if Justin Fields if Bingo. Bruce is a passer, Bingo. it doesn't matter if they make the If Justin playoffs. Fields goes uh, in the right direction as a passer, the Bears win your nine games, Dustin Rhodes, and they still are out of the playoffs, Luke Getze's going to get a lot of credit. He's going to get a lot of looks, and somebody's going to remember the impression he made in Mobile. I hope you guys understand we can't get into the details. I'm sorry in advance uh, for any questions I can't answer, but I promise I'll do my best. Well, let's keep it hypothetical then, David. If you knew that Sean Payton would be available this offseason, if the Bears could go back in time and keep Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace for one more year and then fire them to start over with Payton and the number one pick, would that be a better situation than they are facing now? <laughs> the well, timing. Sean that, Payton. That wasn't me. Just let's get that straight. Sean Payton is one of those coaches that you would fire somebody to hire. Luke Getzey's not. All right. He's just not. Sean Payton is a guy that, in this hypothetical, so let's go back a year. If you could tell me that, hey, all you guys got to do, one more year of Nagy, if he can't, maybe he won't ruin Justin Fields. One more year of pace, you know, he's oh, all no. fired up to stay. No, he had to go. And then if you you get rid of everybody at the end of 2022 with the idea that Sean Payton's going to come in and save the day, would they be better off? If Sean Payton were in charge of this rebuild. Local guy made good. Local guy made good. Coming back. Former spare bear. Coming back to the franchise that he represented as a spare bear. <laughs> I think that you could get more excited or as excited about that. Would they still have the number one overall pick? Can you imagine this town if Sean Payton were the head coach in charge of personnel decisions as well and they had the number one overall pick? The excitement level would be off the charts. You might be in a better situation. It is a ridiculous hypothetical, but it is fun to consider. Um, I don't think any head coach is worth a first-round draft pick. I, I think that the, I think the Broncos have completely overpaid here. It's not just even that; it's also a second-round pick, and then he's reportedly going to make somewhere between fifteen and twenty million dollars a year. I mean, good thing that the Walmart people, I guess, are, you know, so when you buy that bag of Doritos or the box of 
of diapers or whatever it is. Have you, you seen buy. those lines? Yeah, you know, whatever it is you buy at a Walmart, um, you, get, you know that uh, you know Peyton is getting Sean Peyton's getting twenty five cents off of every purchase of everything bought in at every Walmart in this country moving forward. Bought in? Sure. Paid for. Um, okay. Um, look, this this is madness and. Um, <laughs> And I, I mean, Dustin's right. You'd have to have gotten another number one draft pick. They gave up a number one and a swap of a two for a three uh, next year. So it, it's as high a price as has ever been paid for a head coach. Not just the number one, but also a two for a three. That is, um, that's a lot to give up for a coach. I, I was, uh, I was uh, texted this morning. Um, and it was pointed out to me that according to um, according to Ian Rappaport, this is the authenticated NFL account, unbelievable, the Broncos spent the day trying to hire D'Amico Ryans again today before he com- recommitted to the Texans, sources say. When he agreed to terms the te- with the Texans, they moved and finalized Sean Payton. Is it possible Sean Payton was their second choice? It seems very possible. And and they had to give up a first-round pick and a swap of second for third? Uh, we'll talk about this at the extra point, but that doesn't surprise me, though. Yeah. Oh, I, only because, I, Molly, they didn't. They would not have had to give, give up, up anything. anything to hire yes. D'Amico Ryans and still gotten a bounce because of the direction they believe the franchise could go under him. Yeah, I, I just think it's, I think it's a really weird – decision that they made to hire him kind of under the, that uh, uh, kind of circumstances. He, he has to be a guy that you do everything to get and then you support him 100%. You're say, fixated he, on. say he comes in and he yeah. says that Bryce Young reminds him of, uh, of Drew Brees. Uh, Drew Brees. I, what do you do with Russell Wilson? I mean, you, you know, your goal had to be to get someone that could make Russell but, Wilson turn him into Drew Brees given the amount of money you're paying. If that him. was the case, you wouldn't hire him. I, but it, you know, they couldn't get the other guys, so they doubled back. Crazy. Honestly, it's a question that I've probably spent, you know, I mean, thousands and thousands of hours thinking about. What did you make of Jed Hoyer telling our guy John Heyman and his podcast partner, Joel Sherman, that Cody Bellinger has been at the Cubs Mesa, Arizona complex every day working with coaches on his strength and his swing? But the hope is certainly he gets back to. Uh, you know, being a all-star caliber player, it gets back to being a, you know, unbelievable talent at, at age 27 that he is. And he's working unbelievably hard. Do you like the fact that a guy on a one-year contract is forced to be at their best? I love it. I, I, I think if you want to see the best from someone, put him in a position where they have to perform. And, you know, we already knew he was in that position anyway, Cody Bellinger, who was once an MVP. So, the idea that he is going to the complex every day and he's getting coached up and he's, he's working on his strength and he's working on his swing on a daily basis, that's how you get better. And that's how you, you strive to be the best. And maybe, maybe the Cubs give you another contract. Maybe they got guys coming and you go somewhere else and you can win another MVP. The only way out of his rut is work. And it's a good thing that he's working his rear end off, and it's a good thing that he's on a one-year deal and he has to. I don't see anything bad about this, and I love the report that he's been out there working really hard. 
that that's that's only good that's only good news that couldn't be bad news I, I i have no problem with it i mean i i am a little bit surprised and maybe it's just money so big in baseball that you know a, a guy on a one-year prove-it deal is making almost 18 million dollars you know it just seems like really good money for a, a guy who's trying to prove it <laughs> well it is because he's a former mvp so you're you're buying the brand name right and rookie so, of the year right rookie, rookie of, of the year, year he's MVP. he's he did World what series ring for the Dodgers, what Chris Bryant did for the Cubs. Right. So he's in that ilk, and he has earned that right to make that money on a one-year deal. Prove it, Cody Bellinger, and he, he's off on the right foot. This is great news for Cub fans because this is like the football equivalent of the franchise tag. You're betting on yourself. You're going out there, and the team wants to see more. So Cody Bellinger's in a position, and if he does, the Cubs can go to back to the table and say, hey, stay here for a while. You thrived here in the short term, and he can also say, "And now I'm going to, you know, to the highest bidder, whatever the case may be." But there are no, there is no downside here to to Cody Bellinger on a prove it deal. Actually, not to make the comparison, but it's inevitable to me. You look at the other side of town, and the White Sox. Some of their troubles have been created by maybe a degree of complacency that has crept in by these contracts that were signed early on that we thought were great team-friendly deals and they were but you wonder if some of those young players that signed the deals exhaled and they weren't approaching every spring training in a position mentally to say i'm going to prove something that is a pick six that is a pick six here we go the white Sox released their roster of managers coaches for every level in their organization on tuesday but still have yet to clarify their stance about mike clevenger beyond their initial vague statement does that silence suggest they will indeed wait for Major League Baseball to complete its investigation, or is it conceivable that they act to serve, sever ties before spring training begins? Conceivable but unlikely. Heard from Chris Getz yesterday during a Zoom conference, talked a lot about the organization, talked a lot about a lot of things, but I don't think that they are in a position where they feel comfortable addressing the Mike Clevenger's deal. And if they were, Chris Getz is the wrong guy to put out there. He's not the spokesperson for the organization in a, in a situation like this, as serious as it is. I would like to know their thinking. I would like a window into their thought process. I would like to know exactly what the plan might be. I don't think they're going to share that with us. I'm not sure if they know themselves. But the silence is deafening because the longer it goes on, the more you think they're going to wait, wait, wait. It will create an awkwardness surrounding Glendale when they report to Camelback uh, Ranch in a couple weeks, and if we don't have any clarity before then, I'm not sure we'll get any on that day either. It appears that they will probably wait for MLB to take the first step and make the first move. Now, while it's easy for us to say they should have severed ties immediately because that made all the sense in the world, it's also hard, no matter what stratosphere you are economically, to write a what $12 million check walk away. So if this is part of the the policy, if this is how you have to do it in order to not have to write that $12 million check, I understand the frustration, but I also understand the fact that they don't want to write a $12 million check. So I guess my point is, if you didn't get rid of him immediately, why would you do it now? I would hope Major League Baseball, for the sake of everybody involved, could get this done before the pitchers and catchers report. And is there any is there any news about that, by the way? Like, is he... Is he involved with the team? Is he is he being kept away from the team? You know, the, wasn't it, didn't we talk about that, that? That couldn't they have said something like he's on administrative leave? 
because he's not on administrative leave yet, right? He's on nothing. So he in like two weeks from right now he could be. Is he reporting to? I mean, is that, he, that's what I'm asking. You know, we, we hear there's a we lot don't. of guys. There's a lot of guys like Cody Bellinger we just talked about that are already with their team at the team facility. Is Clevenger already at the team facility? Jeez, it's frightening. Um, yeah, I would say that um, you just don't want the guy around. I, I, you know what interested me yesterday? Did you see that? The Birmingham project has shifted and changed. It's now uh, about the coaching staff. Uh, Nicky Delmonico is the hitting coach at Birmingham. They just appointed him. Danny Farquhar is the pitching coach at Birmingham. There's your Birmingham. I saw that. Birmingham project. Those two guys yeah. could, uh, in Birmingham, have a, a made-for-TV movie on about that staff. It. Is that unbelievable? With Nicky Delmonico and what he's overcome, and yeah. then Danny Farquhar and his story. My goodness, that's a screen uh, writer's dream. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, that jumped out at me as well. Um, I, I I don't know, I don't know what the um, I don't know what the the financial implications are. I, I've said this before. I really don't want to see Mike Clevenger pitch for the White Sox. I don't know if um, if that is a problem for them or not. I don't know if that's something that they are planning on or not. Um, I saw that. Um, that they were um, MLB graded the offseason of every team. It wasn't MLB, excuse me. It was the, the Athletic, all their MLB writers yeah, got together. Yeah, how'd they go? And the White Sox were the only team to get an F. <laughs> I saw that. And uh, and I think the Rockies <laughs> got a D, and they were the only teams uh, with a letter grade below. Well, of, I guess there were some C-minuses, but an F. David. They they got Benintendi, but when the biggest pitcher yeah. you sign is under investigation by Major League Baseball, they probably got the F they deserved. Yeah, I mean, I just think, and we talked about this before, um, every time something good or something decent, you thought, like, oh, that's interesting, yeah. there was almost like a disaster. And I, it's not their fault that Liam Hendricks got cancer, but that's a disaster. Um, they decided they had to let the the, uh, the first baseman go, but Jose Abreu winds up in Houston, and you're playing him in the first series. Disaster! Of the year. It's a disaster. It's just it's it's like every element. You know, okay, well they did sign a pitcher. Oh, that you know this guy, they saw something, and is he did what? It's a disaster. Right. It just seems like the problem that they have is that that there were so many things that that and and some their fault, some not their fault. Nonetheless, that gangs up to to have the perception that they flunked the offseason. You mentioned the Birmingham staff. What stood out to me was the Canapolis manager, 31-year-old Patrick Leland. Oh, that's pretty cool. Son of Jim. Yeah, yeah. That's very cool. 312-644-6767. Cool or maybe like a lot of, um, you know, kind of political type of are you, are you saying cronyism and the White Sox in the same Never. sentence? How dare Never, you? ever, ever. Mully and Hawes, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 to the score. Set up this extra point. It's time for the extra point with Mully and Haw on 670 the score. What was the bigger coaching move on Tuesday? The Broncos trading a 2023 first-round draft pick and a 2024 for Sean Payton and a 2020 for third rounder or Houston hiring D'Amico Ryans, the San Francisco defensive coordinator, a six-year deal. Can Peyton fix Russell Wilson? Can Ryans save the Texans from themselves? Well, first of all, I think D'Amico Ryans going to the Texans is a big deal, and finally they have committed more than six months to a coach and that given him six years. That's a young head coach that 
by all accounts, is going to succeed because he has succeeded at everything else he's done in his life. You like the Texans' future with D'Amico Ryans as their head coach, and I think that now it positions them, in my mind, as the team most likely to move up and trade with the Bears to get Bryce Young because they don't want to take a shot and missing Bryce Young as we sit here on February 1st. That could change, but right now that's the way I see it. As for Sean Payton, good for him. I think he can make an impact on Russell Wilson. You know I'm a longtime Russell Wilson guy. I would not be surprised if we're sitting here on February 1st, 2024, talking about NFL Comeback Player of the Year, Russell Wilson, because Sean Payton can have that kind of effect on quarterbacks. We have seen it before. I think we'll see it again. That said, as much as I love Sean Payton, and, and I'm a big Russ guy, Giving up that kind of draft capital for a coach? Goodness sakes, I don't know if I would have done that. I don't think I would have. You're only as good as the talent you are coaching, and they just made it harder for him to coach talent because they traded away a first-rounder and a third-rounder. Crazy. But hopefully he comes through because I do like Sean Payton. I think this depends on which side you're looking at it. Um, I think a nationally, I think it's Sean Payton in a landslide because of what we talked about, what you're giving up, you know, the, the fact they have Russell Wilson, the fact that they're going to pay him the amount of money they're going to pay him. That, that, that's all huge on a national scale. But locally, to your point, David, you know, the Texans are a team that could be dancing with the Bears. And so locally, I think what, what does, you know, here's the other domino, right? The next, what do you want to know about D'Amico Ryan's? Who's his offensive coordinator? Because that could also set the compass on what's going on with that pick, right? Like, who's his have guy? Have you seen any names? I have. Well, I not- mean, here's what I'm here's what I'm wondering. You know, sometimes it could be the wide receivers coach for the 49ers. I, I'm not saying I've seen. I'm just speculating, right? Right. right. J- just completely. I've seen that the Buffalo Bills wide receiver coach is a is a guy now getting the opportunity to perhaps be the offensive coordinator somewhere. Okay, so. In that scenario, would then the Texans be interested in Trey Lance because they were around this guy? Could Ryans be interested in Trey Lance? I'm just saying it, it creates questions, and I think who he names to be his OC is very interesting. So locally, I think this is the bigger news, the bigger hire, because it has an impact potentially. Sean Payton going to the Broncos, I think, has zero impact on the Chicago Bears. Neither team is playing in the Super Bowl next year in Las Vegas, Okay, even though I have the Bears winning nine games. But what's going on in the draft in the Texans and the Bears' relationship, I think, is a big storyline. Yeah, I, you know, listen, I think that um, I, I'm not just looking through life as the prism of the Bears, but I think that we've talked about uh, – we talked yesterday about the first game where you have two black quarterbacks facing off in the Super Bowl, and what does that mean? What's the impact of that? You know, we asked the same question when it was uh, Lovey Smith and Tony Dungy facing off in the Super Bowl, and we were going to have our first African-American uh, head coach to win a Super Bowl. You know, what they've been doing in Houston is sinful, right? Cully got a one-year deal. They launch him. Uh, Lovey gets a one-year deal. That's after the, th- the threatened lawsuit, and they were going to hire Josh McCown. Now they've gone out, and they brought in a legitimate NFL coordinator, young guy, 38 years old, and to Dustin's point, a guy from Alabama. He, he grew up in Alabama. He went to Alabama. He would know all about Bryce Young. And I don't know who he's bringing with him from that staff. Uh, does Brian Greasy 
does he move up as a as a coordinator based on one year as a as a, a QB coach? I'd hire him. Did a pretty good job. I'd hire in Brian Greasy for anything. I agree with you. I think he's a good coach. Um, I I just I think that that D'Amico Ryan you ha- D'Amico Ryan's you have my attention. Six years to a place that has been a train wreck, a guy that has played there, and I think that's a huge, huge kind of uh, like league altering move. Finally, uh, on the coaching front, Sean Payton. I, you know, God bless him. I know he's a good coach. I know what he did uh, in uh, in New Orleans. I also know that he he absolutely kind of spoiled my uh, weekend when I watched that movie based on. Oh my God, was that god awful? <laughs> that was that that uh, that wasted. Please do my not time. disparage Kevin James. Oh, he was terrible in that role, and it, it, the whole thing was bizarre. But anyway. Uh, Sean Payton, okay, we got a retread back in the league. Let's see if he could do anything. I would worry for, for George Payton because i got a lot of time for George Payton. That's, that's the next, He's a really good guy. That's the next question. Well, it's a good question, yeah. too. And, I mean, supposedly this guy wants to come with his own people. I just hope he stays in his lane. They gave up an awful lot to get him, and, uh, and I'm worried about that. So, to me – the bigger issue is is what's going on in Houston and the Alabama well, connection in terms of Bryce Young, whatever. But the, the Sean Payton thing, I you know I think I think Russell Wilson is washed. I do personally. I thought he looked awful, and it's he's always been a competitive guy. So it's not like he isn't trying. I don't know what magic love dust you're going to we'll pour on the guy we'll to see. get him better. But I think you're right you that in terms of. A bigger splash, it's in Denver with Peyton. In terms of the significance, yes. I think it's in Houston with Ryan's. No question about and it. Six year. It, it, it's a huge commitment, and you hope he has the time to grow. That's a team that he played for, so he's he is going home to some degree. So that's uh that's that's nice to see them finally doing the right thing with that organization. 312-644-6767. It's Molly and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 of the score. Money, 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 money. Molly and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 of the score. Always fun to talk to our friend Joe Ostrowski. Brought to you by MGM, the king of sportsbooks. Please bet responsibly. And Joe joins us now on the uh, as all guests do on the score hotline brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And Joe, I've been there and it's a really large sports book. How are you this morning? Oh, doing great. I'm taking a look at the forecast for Sunday, flying out to Glendale, 75 degrees. I think that's a little bit better than what we're nice. with. Yeah, doing a week of shows at the uh, BetMGM Sportsbook out there, getting prepped for the Super Bowl. Going to be a lot of fun. What do you think is the, is the most interesting line that will develop? What is going to be the prop that you're paying attention to most? Oh, the prop. Mm, man, uh, we've seen a lot of movement on the side in total already. The one that I'm going to pay close, close attention to, the opening kickoff. What sort of uh, number are we going to get this to, on a touchback? Now, years ago, you used to get two to one, three to one. It looks pretty good. I'm, I want to take uh, take a deep dive on these kickers and everything. But typically, the favorite is that the opening kickoff will will uh, not be a touchback. R- rather, it will be a touchback. That's the assumption usually. But you can get some plus money on that. 
Um, it's come out, uh, Pat McAfee's talked about it, how they use this commemorative football. It comes straight out of the box, and it's like kicking a brick is how he put it. So a lot of times that you you do not see a touchback to start the game because it is a different football that they're kicking. So I'm taking a close look at that number for sure. And also uh, just take a look at the uh, number of uh, players to have a pass attempt in the game. We have a couple of hobbled quarterbacks, but also some uh, some head coaches slash play callers that will mix it up a little bit, maybe save some of their secret plays for the Super Bowl. So over two and a half pass attempts is plus 175. That seems to have some value for me. So uh, I guess the White Sox got an F for their offseason from the Athletic. But the yeah. Cubs got a B. How was that reflected in the in the uh, win totals that are out now? Well, if you want to bet on either team here to go over uh, the 2023 win total, we're looking at a four-win jump. So let's start with the, uh, the White Sox. We talked about how they are co-favorites in their division with Cleveland at plus 160. Now the win total is out. Cleveland has a higher win total at 87.5. The Sox are pretty close. It's 84 and a half after going 81 in 81 last year. Uh, did they get better? I don't, no, no. I understand why uh, they received an F. You, you get Benintendi, okay, and then we've got uh, the awful news for completely different reasons with Clevenger and Hendricks. So um, Dylan Cease, I noticed he's a third favorite for the AL Cy Young Award at 8-1 to one behind Garrett Cole and uh, Jacob DeGrom. So 84.5 does seem a little high to me. Uh, we shall see. Cubs side, it is uh, the Cubs, a third favorite in the NL Central. The win total, 77.5. So, again, if you want to go over, you're going to be looking for a four-win jump after 74 wins uh, last season. And, and the reaction that I was hearing from a lot of Cubs fans is, that's ridiculous. Only a few wins better. You spent $300 million. Danzy Swanson, Tyon, you know, you had Mancini, good clubhouse guy. Um, look at the top. I mean, I think that's been the theme of the National League. You have a more balanced schedule this year, okay? So, yeah, it's great that you're in the NL Central, but you're still going to have more challenging games this year. Dodgers, 96.5. Mets, 95.5. Braves, 95.5. And guys, the Padres, 93.5. Jeez, that's a lot. Big yeah. day in the NFL, Joe, with some coaching moves. Sean Payton, D'Amico Ryans. Will these coaching moves, how will they affect maybe the win totals when you start to project the you know next season already? I know it's a little bit early, but are there any of these moves that will make a ripple? Well, what we do know is there are a, a couple of sites that have already posted the 2024 Super Bowl odds. And we saw an adjustment minutes after the Sean Payton announcement, right? Schefter tweets it out, and minutes after, there was a reaction in the betting market. The Broncos go from 40-1 to 1 to 28-1 to 1 after watching that full season of Russell Wilson uh, just because Sean Payton is going there. And, and there were some other uh, teams that really popped to me. David, your Jets. Your Jets. They are the eighth favorite for the Super Bowl, guys. At 25 to 1. Jets are 25, and uh, the, that 30 number is intriguing. So the Broncos went back a little bit throughout the day. 28, then they hit 30. Also at 30, the Lions, the Packers, the Jaguars, the Ravens, 
and the Dolphins. All, all grouped in there at 30. Uh, Bears near the bottom at 80. Not the worst, though. Houston and Arizona, 100-1. to one. David has been obsessed with the Jets since <laughs> Favre was there. J-E-T-S, Jets. Big Pennington guy. Jets, Jets, Jets. Yes. And and maybe maybe that's where Aaron Rodgers goes because he loves the ex-Packer uh, quarterback. That's right. Well, and a week ago we talked about Tom Brady being favored to go to Vegas. Now he's the favorite for San Francisco. Nice. Yeah, things have that changed with sense. that Purdy injury. Yes, right? that makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting because I don't think the Eagles were favored to be in the Super Bowl, but uh, – but they are there indeed, right? I mean, the beginning of the season, yeah. that was a long shot. Yeah, they were 40-1 uh, to 1 in the offseason. We, we figured Kansas City would be in the mix, and uh, they get there. But, I mean, does it really matter, Molly? NFL is rigged. That's what I, I've heard oh. a lot over the last few days. Uh, <laughs> well, I, you know what's funny is I saw some of the rehearsal before the season started, and I actually picked that Super Bowl. Yeah, that's what he wants to yeah. get to, Joe. <laughs> How much money would Molly have won had he put it where his mouth was, and yeah. he picked the Eagles. What if he would have bet – 20 bucks I on picked, the Eagles. I picked the Chiefs over the oh. Eagles. Come on now. That's oh, pretty good. Man. That is good. That oh, Well, that's definitely triple digits before the year. I mean, the Eagles win total in the offseason was about nine. It got up to maybe nine and a half. So expectation much better. Maybe a playoff team. So you would have gotten a great number on that. I, I do think it's interesting on the point spread for the Super Bowl. Uh, the 15 minutes after we found out what the matchup was going to be was fascinating to monitor because uh, our friends over at Circa, yeah. they, they posted the Chiefs as two-and-a-half-point favorites. And at that moment, you have all sharp betters. They're just waiting to pounce, right? Well, let's see what number's posted. Is there any value there? Oh, and they pounced. They kept betting the, the Eagles until it went all the way over to Eagles minus two-and-a-half. And at the moment, it's the Eagles minus one and a half. So the favorite did flip. The odds makers disagree. They thought the Chiefs should be favored, and the sharp betters think the Eagles should be favored. Joe, great stuff. We'll let you go, but you might want to sit around for a second and just listen to uh, to this little special piece of noise. All right, I got the uh, the Eagles will beat the Niners. A couple of teams that didn't win divisions I picked, so I got the Chiefs beating the Eagles in the Super Bowl. September 8th. September 8th. That's number five, Joe, if you're counting how many times we have played that this week. Oh, I think it's (laughs) – is it not more than that? I thought it was – I'm I'm being conservative. I think it's five. five? Okay. Well, that's nice. What's the over-under? Should we set an over-under? Before the Super Bowl. Between now and February 12th. I'm just saying, you know, even the blind squirrel, but it happened. So there you go. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, guys. Come on. How can you? How can you not want to hear that? Like on an hourly basis. I, I'm exposed to your brilliance on an hourly, <laughs> oh, daily basis. That is so unfair. I, so I think as much as we need you, to hear that, there that's, is that's no great. need for sarcasm. <laughs> no sarcasm. Oh yeah. No sarcasm here. No sarcasm oh, font. Oh. It's sarcasm. all sincerity. What's sarcasm? What's sarcasm? All right. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. It's Molly and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio six seven of the score. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.